your Bibles, and I really hope you do, or if you've got a phone or an iPad or something that can uh, bring up the, the Bible, I'd love for you to turn to just uh, to Ephesians chapter 1. It's in the New Testament if you're new to the Bible. Just kind of go to the middle and then go to the right. Once you start seeing names like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or, you know, maybe you're like, oh, you know, I don't want anybody to see me looking that far. There's a concordance at the front, or I mean a table of contents at the front that'll tell you what page Ephesians is in your Bible, and it's the very first, right under the big black words, uh, letters of Ephesians. That's where we want to look at this morning, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, at the beginning of this year, we started, um, we did something we've never done here before in the six years that Kingsway has existed. We, uh, we decided that we would look at, at going through a whole book of the Bible, just one verse at a time just verse by verse and, and, and going through the book of Galatians. And as we went through that, we learned some incredible things about what the gospel is, that the good news that we have to offer the, the, to the world and to those around us and to ourselves, the good news that we have is the fact that Jesus did everything. Some of you this morning, you, you come in here and you feel this weight of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I haven't, you know, I haven't been a good enough Christian. I haven't prayed enough. You know, this is my first Sunday here in like 17 weeks. I hope nobody notices. You know, it's like this thought of there's something that you have to do. You, you know, you're not, you're not saved. You're not um, uh, uh, forgiven because of anything that you've done. He said that you're forgiven because of what he's done, what he did on the cross uh, 2,000 years ago. It matters today. And he says it's just that. And he says when, when you realize and, 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 and accept that fact, it says, okay, Jesus, I believe that what you've done it brings salvation to your life. There's something that changes on the inside. It's really hard to explain in words unless you've been there, unless you've experienced that and said, okay, God, I'm not doing life my own way anymore. I want to follow you. What ends up happening is new life happens on the inside of you. You become changed. And uh, out of that, you don't become perfect. None of us are. Uh, it's from this, uh, from this point that we begin to progress uh, in our uh, relationship with God, in genuine relationship with Him. And we learned that was pretty, uh, pretty neat thoughts. And it, uh, he also said in Galatians, what, you know, don't go back to doing good works for the sake of thinking that that's going to save you. Don't look at all the good things you're doing as, as, the, wh- as what's going to save you. It's only Jesus. Good works are going to be a byproduct of that relationship with Him. Because when He says, hey, do this. Hey, reach out to that person. Hey, give so-and-so some money. Hey, go speak a word of encouragement. All those things that happen, that's out of this relationship with Jesus. Uh, and that's what we've been, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks uh, over prayer. But we want to look at the book of Ephesians. Uh, some churches think that, you know, it's, it's more uh, profitable to kind of study book you know, a, a book of the Bible at a time, some think it should be topical. You know, let's talk about love, find all the verses on love, and then we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about prayer, and we'll talk about marriage, and it's kind of topical. And others are like, let's take five years and go through the book of Romans. You know, every, every, uh, every Sunday is going to be Romans something. Uh, and we just figure, you know, both are good ideas. So we, uh, we've, done, we've done some topical stuff, and now we're going to do some, uh, again, just going through the book of the Bible, which is really good for, for us as a church, because you kind of know what's coming next Sunday. Uh, and if, if you if um, uh, would, would like, I, I would want to encourage you to take the opportunity that in your own devotion time, um, you didn't know that it was coming today, but next week, realize that we're going to be studying Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to about verse 10. And I would encourage you to read that every day this week. Why? Why should we do that? Because as church, it isn't about what Mark says at the front. It's about what Holy Spirit says to your heart. And that doesn't just happen here. It shouldn't just happen here. It can happen throughout. You know, I fully believe that you could come here on a Sunday and that God would have spoken to you about something in Ephesians that I never got, that you're able to bring that out and uh, maybe share with somebody else uh, and and to realize those moments. Uh, This week we went to, um, or yesterday in the 
And uh, the day before, we went to the Act Like Men conference. And it's all about, you know, the conference, 6,000 men getting together and singing and, like, raising our hands and actually hugging. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. But real men do that, they told us. So we were there, uh, and it was, uh, it was a good, good time. Music was loud. It was uh, great speakers. And um, at, yesterday at lunch... Uh, a bunch of us decided we would try and find a place to eat. We went to like look for the poutinery um, over in Hess Village. And as we're wandering around, it seems like a whole lot of other people decided to do that too. They had a conference for 6,000 guys and then gave them one hour to have lunch in all these little you know, subways and everything else, but forgot to tell those places that there'd be 6,000 people there that day uh, looking for lunch all at the same time. So uh, we ended up having to walk further blocks and blocks down the road. And we ended up at this little diner. And as we were there, a bunch of us are, are there. This girl who's our waitress, she says, she says, so she's like, I don't get it. It's like everybody's in a hurry here today. It's like Saturday, people. And, and we're looking around. Yep, they're all men in here. It's like, uh, and, and she's like, they're just acting like boys. They're like children. He's like, I want this now. I want this now. And we're just like, um, yeah, it's because there's a conference going on uh, down the road. And she's like, oh, really? It's like, what's it called? I'm like, it's it's called Act Like Men. You know, how we doing? And uh, she says, uh, she's like, no, no, really. Like, what's it called? And I was like, no, no, it's, uh, it's called Act Like Men. She's like, why would anybody have a conference called Act Like Men? I'm like, because, you know, there's, I'm saying, look around you. There's a bunch of knuckleheads that don't know how to act like men, right? And they're saying this group uh, has, this, has this passion to say, let's see men be who men are supposed to be. There's too many men that are running out on their wives. There's too many dads who are leaving their kids. There's too many um, kids growing up in fatherless homes. There's too many young guys with, with no work ethic, nobody in, 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 uh, ahead of them to say, this is, what a, this is what a man looks like. This is how a man treats women. This is, this is um, uh, you know, how to, to be a, a, not just a man of God, just to be a man, to be a, to be a real husband that God would want you to be. And it's just, you know, some of that stuff was kind of beaten up on us a little bit, but most of it was just really encouraging. So I was, you know, sharing, sharing this with her, and, and I thought, you know, all of a sudden, it's like, not usually does your waitress decide that she's just not going to talk to any other tables anymore, and she's just going to talk to your table? Well, that happened. All of a sudden, she's like, well, they should have this for women. I was like, amen, you know, you should start it. Because uh, then she starts telling her story. She's like, I have two sisters, you know, they're both getting divorced, and it's, you know, it's their father, like crazy. And, and uh, she starts telling us her life story, and we're sitting there like, well, we just wanted boutine, you know, but... but uh, so we thought, you know, we can get back and listen to Lecrae. You know, he's like this rapper, worship leader, makes your liver quiver with the bass booming. Like it's just like, you know, it's good for your innards and outards and spirit and whatever. But uh, I thought, you know what, wait, let's just not rush out of here. Let's just sit here for a bit and, and talk. There was about five of us there. And as we sat and we, we were chatting, she began to just share a story. And they're like, hey, so-and-so wants to build. She's like, I get it. All right, I'll get to it later. And she begins talking to us. She's like, you know, I used to go to church when I was young. And um, so, you know, as we began to talk uh, through her, it's like, we thought we're going to this conference because this is like where we're going to learn how to be, you know, better husbands and better men. But it was in that moment we could have missed the opportunity to talk to somebody whose life, you know, needed change. Did we get to lead her to the Lord? No, nah, didn't have that amount of time. Uh, but to plant seeds in her life and saying, listen, there's something going on inside of you that's questioning things, that's looking for, uh, for truth and for what's right. And, you know, to keep seeking that and to be, to be a blessing to her uh, was one of the things that, that God wanted to do. And you think, well, I wouldn't have saw that. And I would encourage you with the same thought that many of you came here to church this morning having an idea of what this was going to look like. You know, you're going to come here, maybe it's your first time, you're like, I don't know, but I kind of think church is like sort of like this, and you got in the door, and you're like, wait a second, there's food? Oh, sweet. You know, uh, oh, it's all gone. Oh, terrible. You know, it's, uh, then you get in here, and you're like, okay, we're going to, you know, and for those of you regulars, you're like, I know, four songs, then Pete's going to say that second song, kids are dismissed, and then get back in, sing two songs, uh, and then sit down, and then Mark's going to yell at us for a while, and then we're going to, hopefully there's a joke, and then we're going to go home. I want to encourage you that you are the church. 
You are who God wants to speak through. That as you study the word, he's going to talk to you. You can't help, you know, but, but learn uh, from him as you study his word. So many people are like, God, I want you to talk to me. He wants to talk to you. Uh, but he just wants you to read his book. He wrote a whole bunch of stuff to you that he's trying to talk to you about. And so I want to encourage us as a church to, uh, to be that. To say, okay, I'm going to check out Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 this week. And find out, God, what are you saying to me? And maybe it's going to be something just for you. Please don't share that with us. That was just for you. Um, but if there is something to say, wow, this is not just for me. This like everybody could benefit from this. Next week, I hope you take the opportunity to, um, to share that. So uh, if, we, if you want to turn there to Ephesians, or if you're not there yet, I gave you lots of time. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, it says this, Paul, uh, what we're going to kind of do through this is we'll, uh, you know, we'll read a little, and then I'll talk a little, and then we'll read some more. So um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Okay, we'll stop right there. So... Um, Paul is the author of this book and author of uh, many of the New Testament books. For those of you not quite familiar with this guy, he's uh, an incredibly brilliant man who hated God with all of his heart. Maybe you're here tonight, today and you're that guy. You're like, uh, you know, I don't know about this whole God thing. I'm just here for a baby dedication, you know. It's, uh, he hated him. His passion in life was to kill Christians, not just to be mean to them, kill them. And uh, that was where God found him and uh, saved him, changed his life, and all of a sudden turned his life around and said, Paul, you know what? Don't you find this difficult that you keep kicking against, you know, these goads? You kind of keep kicking against the pricks, he says. And it says it's like this, this idea of, hey, I got a better life for you if, if you'll take it. And Paul says, you know what? Okay, Jesus, I'll surrender my life to you. And out of that life of surrender, guess what he got? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Beatings, imprisonment. You know, he had to travel all the world. He was starving. Uh, three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night out with the sharks in the, in, the, in the ocean. This guy had like all kinds of, you know, unhappy adventure out of a life of surrender to God. And yet, you know, there was this great joy that he always talked about. Well, part of this is uh, imprisonment. He's sitting in prison, and just as a surrender to God, he begins writing letters to the church. Jesus, we said, started the church with those 12 guys. Well, Paul was the next kind of step in that, in that thing of saying, listen, church, this is who you are and what you can be. And he began to explain to them. So to the Galatian church, he's like, hey, you guys are way too much into the law and way too much into rules. You need to realize that this whole thing is about relationship with Jesus Christ. So he shares that with them, and that's kind of the, the primary, the first thing. Um, and then he writes this letter to Ephesians and just says this would be, you know, if, if Galatians is the foundation, then Ephesians is probably the first row of bricks that says, this is who you are. Once you know what he's done for you and who he is, well, this is who you are. And he begins to talk to them 30 times in the short little book. He talks about being in Christ and something we, uh, we could benefit from knowing. Um, the Bible's an amazing book because as he wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, it spoke to them. It spoke to the next generation. It spoke to the next generation. And thousands of years later, it can still change lives today. What I need you to realize is that Ephesians wasn't written to us. It doesn't say the king's way. So some of the stuff that you look at, you realize it was written to a certain church, but it was written for us. There's something in there that's for us that we can, that we can find and look at. Um, the church, in, in, it says to the saints who are in Ephesus. We'll come back to saints in a minute. But um, uh, this Ephesus place, in Acts chapter um, 18 and 19, if you, if you have a chance to read that, we're not going to do that this morning for the sake of time. But Paul, as he's saying, God, lead me into where you want me to speak, he ends up in this town of Ephesus. He stays there for a couple of weeks, and he's talking to them. And then they're like, Paul, you should stay. And he's like, nope, got to go. So he leaves Ephesus, and uh, he goes around. Well, he ends up coming back around um, to Ephesus, and he finds out that this place, Ephesus would be a place that um, it already had its own God. 
Ephesus had this god named Artemis, um, or Diana, they called her, two names. Um, but she was like this really strange god, like the god of fertility, uh, just the, the weird, weirdest looking statue ever. Um, but this um, uh, totally disproportionate woman, just picture like 20 Barbies all together, back to back, and that's kind of this, this Artemis uh, uh, thing. So if you, can't, if you can't mentally, you can Google that. But um, this, uh, this, this statue, they said... You know, they have a riot because Paul comes and he starts talking about this new guy named Jesus. And Ephesus goes crazy because they, they have, you know, all of their, the, all of their um, financial industry and everything is about this goddess. They make statues of her and they sell that and that's where all their money comes in. And now Paul's talking about Jesus and you don't need that anymore. You don't need that other god in your life. And because of that, it just brings up this uprising in them, and they throw a riot, and it's craziness. And one guy says, listen to all the crowd of men in, the, in a stadium, says to them, hey guys, like, don't you all know that the, that the first statue of Artemis fell from the sky? That's a fact, it says in the Bible. That's a fact. And so they're like, oh yeah, that's a fact. All right, we don't need to worry about this, Paul guy. We had a statue just drop in our laps. And uh, that's the, that was their whole, their whole idea of God. But you know what? When, when Jesus is proclaimed, Guess what happens? Something rises up inside of people that, that challenges the other God in their life. This morning, uh, I believe as we uh, study Ephesians, as we continue to go through, it will bring that to light in your life. And it's a good thing. Because for many of us, as much as we hate to, to realize this, in North America, we're bred with the idea that we're God. We are. From day one, it's mine, mine, mine. It's all about me, me, me. You know, God, why are you doing this to me? You have relatives pass away. Oh, it's, it's all about you. You know, you have, you know, you go through sickness. Oh, it's terrible. You, you go one day without a meal and you're like, oh, you know, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, I'm suffering. I've been going through so much stuff. Do you realize that all around the world, there's kids that live days on end without ever having one meal? Do you realize that all around the world, there are people who live on, you know, one-tenth of what you make in a day? See, it, it's, it's our culture, it's everywhere around us that says you can have everything you want and when it doesn't go your way, throw a temper tantrum. It, this, this idea of who God is is something that needs to change in our lives and that's what Ephesians wants to bring out. Paul never spoke against everything. We'd never have enough time to speak against all the issues in our lives. Some people love that. They love these pastors who are going to beat them up every week for how bad they are. You know, the more they yell, like the better it is. You know, like yell and yell and yell and you go out of there going, oh man, you know, that, was a, that guy speaks the truth. You know, like that was amazing. Uh, and then it's, you know, I feel so little. I feel so belittled. I feel like I'm such a, you know, I'm such a rotten person. I'm glad he reminded me of that. I can't wait till next week. You know, it's... It, it, some people have that thought, but Paul says that's not how God is, and that's not what it is. He just begins to talk about who Jesus is and how great he is, and that thing riles up. I want to encourage you with this. If you feel the riling up on the inside as the word of God is being spoken to your heart, recognize that and realize that surrender to him means I'm going to deal with this rile up. You know, all, for, for me, it was financial stuff. For me, there was things in my life where I'm thinking, you know, uh, it shouldn't be this way, God. Like, how come all of these tumors are happening in our church? Like, this is just, this shouldn't be happening. Uh, God, how can you be good? He's saying it, none of that changes the fact of who he is. Just begin to check the perspective. And prayer has helped incredibly in my life in that. Um, as Paul was talking to these, this church in, in Ephesus, um, they, they had some issues with um, this other God. 
which I would think that is possible in us and in our community. But they also had this whole deal with sorcery. I had a little problem with it. Um, and when Paul started talking about Jesus, they were like, man, like this Jesus, he's way more powerful than all the sorcery. So they decided we're going to burn all our sorcery books, have a little bonfire. And it says that a, a few million dollars worth of sorcery books. Uh, anybody have a sorcery book here? No hands raised? Hmm. Um, I, you probably wouldn't anyways. But, uh, you know, anybody, anybody even seen like books on sorcery? Not, not, not a whole lot. But millions of dollars worth was a huge issue in this, in this town that Paul just comes in. He says, I'm just going to bring the word in. I want you to know that in the, in the, the midst of incre- incredible darkness in Ephesus and in the midst of this fact of you, there's this, there's this other God in Ephesus, I want to just bring in Jesus. I want to bring this into your life. And I believe that that's what he wants to do in our lives as well. We talked about he's building the church by revealing Jesus, that you, each one of you, would know him, that Libby would know Jesus and build the church stronger as a result, that Joanne, you would know Jesus and the church is better because of it. Justin, you know, you would know Jesus and because of that, that would make the church stronger. That's his heart in this. So then he says, he says as he's speaking these things, he says to the saints, to the saints in Ephesus. You think, well, is this important? It sure is, because it's so important for us to understand foundational things. It really is. Paul just says, hey, I want to start with this. He doesn't say, hey, to you sinners, you heathens in, in Ephesus, you guys, you like your sorcery and your, you know, your, your dirty God lover, you know, like you guys are like, you're, on, you're almost in hell, you know, but uh, I can write you my letter. He doesn't write that at all. He writes to the saints. And, and, and I would say that to the disciples here, if you're a follower of Jesus, He's writing the same thing to you. He'd say, hey, to the saints in Kingsway, here's what's going on. You're like, well, I'm not a saint. And he says, what does it matter? It's so important that we understand how, um, um, uh, how we are, who we are, so how, uh, the way we live this life is, is different as a result. If you don't know who you are, you don't know how to live in this world. Like, for instance, my father-in-law has a dairy farm, uh, and I've been listening to my brother-in-law, Wes. He's um, from Sweets Corners Church, fantastic uh, church there. It's our sister church. Uh, they planted this place, for those of you who don't know that. But um, uh, I kind of miss listening to him. And I was listening to him share a little bit on Ephesians as well. And he shared this illustration. He just said, too, you know, if we go to the barn, and you go to the, you go to the dairy barn, and, you know, like myself, I'm a pastor, so I kind of dress some, somewhat trendy, I think, I hope. My wife dresses me, so if it's not, oh well. But uh, you go to the barn, you know, the days I go to the barn with my kids, and I got to find my, my father-in-law, I can go, I go into the barn, and, and uh, I'm not dressed for it, so I'm like, I'm peering in through the door, I'm looking, and, and, and then I got to find a way, you know, to get to the office. And the best way to get, you know, to the office is through, you know, as far away from any cows as possible. If I got to go and uh, buy cows, I'm going the front, right? It's better to get snotted than pooed on. So you go you go across the front, and then by the, by the milk house, the, the, it's kind of this watery, sludgy feeds there. So you pick the driest spots, and you, you navigate your way through, and you get to the office. You get there as quick as you can so you don't smell. Hop in there, slam the door, and, and talk to him, and then you get out of there as quickly as you can as well. See, but if, if um, there's days sometimes where I, very few, very few and far between, where I volunteer to help milk cows, so then I get dressed in my mother-in-law's clothes, and I, you know, go out there, one size fits all. So we go out there and, and um, uh, start milking the cows, uh, but then if I go in there, then I got my rubber boots on. I'm like, I'm the boss in the barn, right? I can walk wherever I want. I can kick crap into the, into the, into the um, gutter. I can, you know, cows can kick me. They can be up against me. It's all good. Why? Because I'm dressed for that. Like, that's, that's where I belong. I'm like, the, I, I'll stay there for three hours and I don't care at all. What's the difference? One, I'm dressed for it. One, I think I belong there. And the other is like, I know I don't belong here. And I'm getting out of here as quickly as I can. When Paul's saying you're a saint, this is what he's saying to you, Kingsway, same thing. You're a saint. You don't really belong here. You're, you're on this planet, around this, uh, in all of this, but you're not really from here. This isn't, this, don't get so comfortable with all the stuff that's going around that you just feel like, oh yeah, I can handle it. Yeah, I can handle the crap that's going on in my life. You're not designed to be there. 
You navigate your life differently when you realize that you're a saint. You hang out with different people because you realize you're a saint. When you're hanging around with people who don't know Christ, it's because they don't know Christ. And, and you understand that when you're looking for, you know, how you're going to have fun as a saint, you realize there's a, there's a way I want to walk through this so I don't leave this spot taking all of that crap with me. He says, I want you to understand that, that you're a saint. You're like, well, saints, I mean, uh, saints, what do we think of when we think of saints? We think of Catholic saints. You know, and as I'm looking this up, if you want to be a saint today, he's saying, you know, there's nine steps you got to follow. First, you got to be Catholic. So unless you're Catholic here, it sucks to be you. You can't be a saint. You know, and then it says, you got to be dead. So I'm looking at most of you and realize you can't be a saint yet. You know, you're not dead. And then, you know, once you die, then there's, they have to say good stuff about you for long enough that enough people think you were so great, then maybe you can become a saint. And then after that, you've got to do a miracle after you're dead. You know, and then, and then it's got to be attributed to you. Then they've got to test it. Then they've got to send the Vatican over to make sure that it was legit. And then uh, after that happens, then uh, you've got to do a second one. And, and then once you've done two, well, then you can be a saint. Then people can pray to you. Then they'll name a high school after you. And then, uh, you know, now you're officially a saint. And you're like, I, pff, I can't do all that. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you think, saints? Well, that sounds like super Christian, right? Like, saints are like, like superheroes, like Superman or Batman or Chastity Man or, you know, Aquaman. They all have like these skills, right? Like Superman is faster than a speeding train or bullet or something like that. He's going to do, do great stuff. He's Superman. You know, Batman, he's like, make sure like Gotham City is safe at night. Chastity Man keeps his hands to himself. And, you know, like Aquaman is like really good with water. And you're like, wow, these guys, like they're superheroes. Nobody can do that. Right? We think, oh, they, they got to be these super special people. He's not writing to that. He's writing to the church and writes, say, hey, you know what? That church is probably full of people just like ours. You know, they haven't got it all together. They're not there yet. But he says, you know what? You're saints because of what he's done, not because of how you've lived or what you've done. He says, it's just regular, regular people. Galatians told us that, that it's the cross alone, that if we'll hold on to that and depend on that, you are a saint. Say, well, what does it matter? Saints and sinners. Some of you like, you know, you think you're a sinner because you sin. And, and the Bible just wants to say that there's a classification of that. When you're born, you're a sinner. Little Kalia, she's a sinner. Dirty, rotten sinner. Bet you didn't know that. Well, so were you when you were born, <laughs> you know? So was I. So was all those kids downstairs until they come to the realization of knowing Jesus Christ. They're not just like, oh, just so cute little babies. They're so innocent. They're not. The Bible tells us we're born in sin. And because of that, we're sinners before we ever sinned. Which means that you're not a sinner because you sin. And when, um, and, and when you accept Jesus Christ, when you accept forgiveness of all of your sin, you become a saint. And the next time you sin doesn't mean you're back into the sinner category. That'd be like me, like Josh saying, hey, Kalia, welcome to the family. You know, you're a gowing now. And, um, but as soon as you get it wrong once, kid, I mean, you cry like at 1 a.m., that's it. You're out of the family. You know, you can be a DeVries until you straighten up. You know, it's, uh, it, it doesn't happen. Same with God. Same with you. So many of you, the enemy would love for you to believe that you're a dirty, rotten sinner every time you come here. Why? Because you'll do nothing for the kingdom if you believe that. He's saying truth is you're a saint. So get this on the inside of, you know what? I don't care where I came from yesterday. Today, his mercies are new every morning. I'm his kid today. I am a saint because he says I am. So thank you, Jesus, for that. I'm going to live like that today. I'm going to navigate my path as a, as a saint. Do saints never sin? No, they, they do. You know, these, did these guys have a perfect? No, they didn't. When Paul got there, they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. They're like, he's like, okay, you guys need some help. Here, this is who Holy Spirit is. He's going to help you in your life. Then he leaves and they're like, did they get it then? No, because he had to write them this letter. He's like, uh, yeah, okay, guys, here's a few other things that you didn't get yet. Did they get it after that? They're like, oh, we got the letter. We're good now. Uh, and then they're done. 
Uh, no, because after Paul's dead, then John has to write them a letter. It's, it's in Revelation chapter 2. He says, okay, hey, church in Ephesus, you got a lot of stuff good, but you still got this little bit. Maybe you're here this morning like, you know what? In my spiritual life, I feel like I got so far to go. Welcome to the club. Ten years from now, you're still going to feel like you got so far to go. The day before you die, you're going to feel like, man, I got so far to go. You know why? Because it's a process. He's continuing to work out that in you. In you. The fact that you're a saint, has, th- that doesn't make you perfect, nor does, nor does being perfect make you a saint. And to just understand that, to say, you know what? This is who I am. This is who I am in Christ. You know what, you know what it does for us? Let me just say this. A lot of times, too, with saints, the, the idea is like, wow, look at me. Look how great I am. You know, if we're smart saints, we realize that the only reason we're saints is not because we deserved it, not because we did anything to earn it, not because we lived good enough to be called this. I'm a saint because he called me one. I don't deserve it. It's, it's crazy. Man, look how amazing he is. Guess what he can do for your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus? Guess what he can do for your family member who doesn't really know the Lord? Guess what he can do for the, for the people that drive you absolutely nuts at work because they're just so vulgar and whatever else? You know what? He can call them a saint. Not because they earned it, not because they deserve it. And guess what? When you realize that you're a saint, not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, you won't put that on them. You'll share Jesus in a way that they're like, whoa, this is good news. <laughs> what am I doing in bed on Sunday morning? I'm getting out to church. He's good. Let's sing that song again. So good. You're so good. I believe it. Why? Because he's called me a saint. He is incredible if he's going to do that in my life. The last, the second thought, and just real quick, is verse 2. And uh, um, it says that this grace and peace. Grace and peace. Um, or grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace and peace to you. You know, from God, so many people have this thought, and as we say, the picture of God becomes amazing when you realize that what he's looking at you, he's saying grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. Not just a, not just a greeting. He's saying, this is what I want in your life. When you're going through really, really rough stuff, peace in your life in this. Grace in your life when, man, I can't get it together. I can't, I keep running into this wall of grace, man. I, I'm, I'm going to bring that ar- around in you. Let's keep working through this process. It's not grace, oh, I can get away with anything. It's grace, get, we can get you up again. You're going to get this. We can get you up again. And so it, he says that grace and peace to you. And I want to just leave you with this thought. You know, there's two words, conviction, condemnation, polar opposites to one another, and yet they feel so much the same. You know, sometimes you feel like this thought of when you think of God, you think, I don't think he's like grace and peace to me. I don't think that he absolutely loves me. He does. And what happens to us is the enemy tries to put that on your life where it's called condemnation, where um, conviction is what God does when the word comes in your life. It's like, wow, you know, God, this, this thing that's in my life that I know you don't want, it gives you desire to change. Condemnation comes on your life and tells you you never can. It will always keep you in that spot of you're dirty, you're rotten, you don't deserve this, you're a terrible person. Conviction will come and say, yeah, there's some dirtiness in your life. Let's deal with it. Let's, let's allow God in there to get that out uh, in us. Conviction will give you the opportunity to change. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would do in us what, what no one else can do. Would you just take this and make this alive in the heart of every person here this morning? God, that uh, we would be more like you, change more into your image come more under your lordship and more surrendered to you, that you receive more glory through our lives and the way we live them. Uh, Thank you again for giving us real life. We live that today for you. We live that this week for you. And we live that this week with you. It's for your amazing, wonderful name we pray. Amen.